The Dominican Republic mission is still raising funds through sale of tamales and also the dinner that is going to occur later this month. I think Indy Indaliza is going to be back in the entryway for those of you who have yet to purchase some tamales or sign up for the dinner, so please do that. Also, today, Chris begins once again in adult Sunday school at 11 o'clock, his study of belief, which is a study of the apologetics for the Christian faith, so please, uh, 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock, consider joining that. It's going to be a great study. And for those of you who have yet to have the privilege of having Christy and me at your home, there is a sign-up for Zacchaeus Dinners back on the coffee bar. So please sign up for that. We had a couple of wonderful Zacchaeus Dinners this month. Look forward to many more. It's, I can't tell you what a blessing it is for us to get into the homes of the people who comprise this body, to see how you live, to enjoy you in your natural setting. It's just a blessing for me as a pastor to understand you in that way, not just here on Sunday morning or on the phone or in my office, but where you, where you live. And so thank you for those of you who have signed up and those of you who will sign up. Today we are studying on going in grace and peace. How? How do we do that? And really I want to suggest to you something that really going in grace and peace is going in love. Because grace emanates from the love of God. Grace is the unmerited favor, the gift, the giving that God has given to all of humanity because of his love. God is love, the Apostle John told us. And so grace emanates from love. And so when we go with grace, it's because we are compelled by the love of God. Our lives have been touched by the love of God. We have ourselves experienced the grace of God. And when we experience the grace of God, I talked about this last week, we come to recognize that we have peace with God, that the Enmity that existed between us and God because of our sin has been taken care of because of the payment, the propitiation that Jesus made with his shed blood for our sin. And so God is no longer angry at us. The payment has been made. And so we have peace with God. And so it all begins and originates because God is love. And so we're going to talk today about going in grace and peace. How do we do that? Well, I want to suggest to you three different words that are absolutely essential for us if we are to go. And when I say go, I'm not talking about necessarily an evangelical mission, although certainly that is uh, encompassed in this notion. But it's really just living your life. How do you live your life as a Christian? Is it a life that reflects the grace and the peace of God? So the three words that we're going to look at this morning are possess, practice, and proclaim. First, possess. In order for you to give something away, you must possess it first. If it's not yours, 
then it's not yours to give. And I say that because so often throughout human history, certainly since the time of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, there has been confusion around the whole issue, the whole message of the gospel. Now, in its simplest form, the gospel is this, that God and man were separated because of man's choice to sin. Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in that day, they died. They were separated from God. And God, from the very outset, beginning in Genesis 3.15, had a plan that the seed of the woman would conquer the serpent, overcome the serpent, crush his head. But that the serpent would bruise his heel. And that was prophetic of the fact that Jesus Christ, God's own son, would come in the flesh as a man, experiencing life just as you and I experience it. He hungered. He thirsted. He was wearied. He experienced everything that we experience save sin. He'd never sinned. And so when he went to the cross, when he died the death upon the cross of Calvary, he should not have died because the wages of sin is death. But he had never sinned. So what happened on the cross? He took upon himself the sin of humanity, your sin, my sin, the sin of every person, man, woman, and child who has ever lived. Jesus took upon himself the sin of the world. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me, he said. It was because he had become sin. And God turned his eyes away from him. But because he had no sin, on the third day, he rose again from the dead, as he said he would, proving that he had power over sin and over death. And this is the good news, that God sent his only begotten son, that whomsoever should believe upon him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. That's the gospel. That's what we believe in its simplest form. We believe in Jesus, what he did. When we're baptized, we are baptized into his death and burial. But we are also lifted up, identifying with his resurrection. All of our sins forgiven. Total and absolute cleansing of our sin. Every sin that you've ever committed, every sin that you ever will commit, no matter how heinous, no matter how awful, no matter how much in the world's eyes deserving of punishment. This is why the gospel, by the way, is a scandal. Because the world looks at some of the sins we have committed and they say, you deserve judgment. You deserve punishment. And we say, the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaims that the punishment for my sin fell upon him. And I now possess the righteousness of Christ. It's a scandal, church. It's not how it should be. That's what makes grace so amazing. Now, I want to read a passage of Scripture for you out of Galatians. Paul writes to the Galatians, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. 
Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, Paul was writing to the Galatians because they had come to receive the message of the gospel. They had heard it. They had accepted it, at least in a superficial way. But then they were once again becoming yoked with the bondage of slavery to the notion that our actions, our behavior, our own righteousness is what commends us to God. Keeping the law, a set of rules. But Paul said it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And this is where going in grace and peace is so profound. Because so often it is the case, it's been true of me, I suspect it is true of most of us, that we get saved by this amazing grace. We have this freedom that comes by the recognition that we have been forgiven of our sin. And then we go and we live a life that suggests that it all depends on me. Have you been there? Have you ever been in the place where where you've done something post-forgiveness, post-salvation, and you've done something, and that heavy wave of condemnation comes upon you? And you just are absolutely certain that God has rejected you. He's turned away. He's so disappointed in you. Come on, be honest. Sure you have. See, that's where we end up going. We go to that place where it depends upon us. And it's no longer grace. And we're no longer free. We're like the Galatians. We're trying to receive our salvation by grace, but then keep it by works, by what we do. We need to possess the fullness of the grace and the peace of God that absolutely assures us that we are forgiven, that everything we've done has been forgiven, everything that we will do has been forgiven. It has been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, washed away into the sea of forgetfulness, never again to be remembered in the mind of God because of the blood of His Son. I read to you out of Hebrews chapter 9 that His blood spread and sprinkled upon the eternal altar in the heavenly holy of holies eternally cleansed us from our sin. That's good news, people. Woo! But my question to you is, do you possess that? Do you truly own it? Do you truly recognize the greatness of the blessing of the gospel of Jesus Christ in your life? Or are you trying to keep it through your own strength and your own power? Paul said to the Galatians, you are in danger of falling from grace because you are not allowing the grace of God to have its work in your life. To just sit back and to trust that he loves you, that he will never leave you nor forsake you, and, this is part of the good news too, that he He is going to sanctify you. He is the one that is going to do the work in you that transforms you. You see, 
It says in Romans chapter 5 that grace has been poured out on us in an abundant way. In fact, the word in the Greek literally means a superabundance. I think I've shared this with you before, but, but literally the picture is of holding a Dixie cup under the Niagara Falls. That's the kind of grace that God has poured out upon us. Grace just overflowing our lives. In every respect, God gives and gives and gives and loves and loves and loves. He looks upon you with favor. But because grace abounds, should sin abound? Paul said, God forbid. How can we who have been saved from the bondage and the death that, slave, that sin brings once again live in it? God will take care of that. But we need to abide, church, in that notion and understanding and absolute assurance that God loves you no matter what. No matter what. Yes, continually we have to fall upon his grace. But he still loves us. He's not disappointed us. You know, when he looks at you, you know what he sees? He sees his son. He sees his daughter. It says in 1 John 3, 1, that we are to behold the love of God that he has lavished upon us. The love of God that he just keeps, you know, to take this picture. If you're a grandparent and you have your grandchildren around you and just continue to call them to your lap and just hug them and love them. That's the picture that, that John is trying to paint of the Father lavishing his love upon us. Behold what manner of love the Father has poured out upon us that we should be called His sons and His daughters. Do you possess that? Or are you living in condemnation, trying to experience and move forward your life as a Christian in the power of the flesh? Because Paul said to the Romans, he said, there is therefore no condemnation, not some, not occasional, but no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you're in Christ Jesus, if you possess the love of God through the grace of God, then there is no condemnation. You should never, ever attribute a feeling of condemnation to the Father because He loves you. He has given you His Spirit. He wants you to have freedom. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. And that's why this message, going in grace and in peace, how it's so important for us to have that, to have that freedom, to not be going forward like a pickled something. You know? I mean, but our, our, our lives, honestly, uh, should be full of joy. Jesus Christ, it said, who for the joy that was set before him endured the suffering of the cross. He had joy in his life. He said to his disciples, I give you an abundance or a fullness of joy, joy that you've never, ever experienced. Because here's the deal. Joy comes from an awareness of our connectedness to God, that it will never be severed. 
Just like the song that the, the praise team sang this morning, the love of God is greater than we dare hope or dream. The hold of God is more profound than we can ever imagine. That gives us true freedom. Stop and think about this for just a moment. I mentioned grandparents and grandchildren, but we'll go and, and, and take this to parents and children too. Is there really anything so bad that you could not find it in your heart to forgive your children or your grandchildren of if they repented, if they turned from it? I suspect that the vast majority of the people hearing my voice today would be able to forgive and to once again receive them into their life, to extend grace to them. Well, how much more profound is the grace of God towards you? So, possess it. You've got to know God loves you. He will never change that, no matter what you do. And because of that love, you receive grace. Because of that grace, you experience peace. And because of that peace, you can go out into this lost and dying world and say, I've got good news for you. My life's been changed. It's been transformed. It's unlike it ever was before because God loves me. And you know what? He loves you too. And he sent his son to die for you. And he rose from the dead so that you can have new life and be a new creature. The Bible says that we have been called redeemed. The Bible says that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The Bible says that you are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. The Bible says that you have received every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that you are adopted sons and daughters of the Father. And that's just getting started. How much does he love you? Enough to die for you. So possess it, church. Understand that it is yours to live a life that looks different, that is substantively different than the life that you lived before. So often I see it, I've experienced it myself, Christians receive, accept, and then we step right back into living life under the same understanding, the same expectations. We follow the same ruts that we always did. Instead of moving into that new life and believing all of those things that the Bible says about us and experiencing joy in the journey. So possess it. But then you need to practice it. You need to live grace and live peace. Now, grace is multifaceted. There are so many aspects to grace. I could never cover them all. But I want to just go over a couple that I think are uh, pretty prevalent opportunities for us to give grace. And, and I've said this before, too. The church is a great laboratory for love and for grace. It's an opportunity for you to do what God wants you to do because, you know what, when you come together and you live among each other, when you begin to share your lives, you know what, people are going to offend you. People are going to upset you. You are going to, by necessity, need to extend grace to them. One of the most common ways is by forgiveness. 
The Bible talks many, many times about forgiveness. Certainly the forgiveness that we've received from God, but also the forgiveness that we are to extend one to another. Peter asked Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother if he offends me? Seven times? And the Lord turned to him and said, no, I don't say to you seven times. I say to you 70 times seven. And then he told him the story of the steward who was forgiven an extraordinary amount by his master, but then refused to forgive a pittance to his fellow servant. Teaching the importance of once we've received forgiveness to extend forgiveness one to another. That's a challenge that is available to every one of us. When you have been offended, when you have experienced something in your relationship with another brother or sister that has offended you, your responsibility is to extend grace to them through forgiveness. Another way that we uh, give grace in the church and really everywhere is through acceptance. Jesus said that we are not to point out the speck in our brother's eye and ignore the beam in our own. But so often I find it true that when we come to the church, when we live among one another, we're very good at pointing out specks. We look at someone else and say, they shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't live like that. How terrible is that? If they were really a Christian, they wouldn't be doing that. Instead of just accepting one another as we are. You know what? We're all on the pathway to sanctification. God is at work in each one of us. So we, we should be accepting of one another regardless of our differences, regardless of the fact that within this body, even the size and number that we have here, there are, is a wide diversity of approaches to life, of political opinions, of ways of doing things. In fact, it said in the Bible that we are to endeavor to maintain the unity of the body through the bond of peace. In other words, extending grace, extending peace with one another, having that kind of relationship with one another that, yeah, okay, you offended me, you blew it, I forgive you, I accept you, I'm not judging you. The church should not be a place for judgment. Jesus said, I didn't come to judge the world. I came to save the world. The world's already judged. And you know what? The person who's blowing it in the church or wherever, they probably already know they're blowing it. They probably already have a conviction about that. They don't need me to point it out to them. But what they do need is me to come alongside them and say, you know what? I love you. I accept you. I forgive you. And I'm going to walk with you. How great would church be if that's how we all lived? So we need to practice grace, practice peace. Now, the Bible says that we have peace with God because of the cross of Jesus Christ, but the Bible also tells us that we can have the peace of God. Now, Jesus said, be anxious for nothing. Which of you, by worrying, can add a single cubit to your stature? He said we should trust God. And, and, and 
how terrible of a witness is it, church, when, when we tell people, God loves you. God will always be there for you. He's going to take care of you. But I don't know where my next meal is going to come from. Here's the, here's the antidote for anxiety. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Many of you know this scripture. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's one you should memorize. I'm just telling you. That is a scripture to memorize and to practice. Because again, our lives should possess the peace of God because of the grace of God that we have received. If he loves us that much to send his own only son, it says in Romans 8, how will he not freely give us all things? What do you need from God? Whatever it is, he's going to give it to you. I can assure you of that. If you need it, he will give it to you at the proper time. You don't need to worry. He'll take care of it. So we need to practice grace and peace in our lives. It should characterize who we are. And finally, we should proclaim grace and peace. Our message ought to be one of grace and peace, not of law and condemnation. I want to read a passage for you out of Romans chapter 5, and we'll conclude here. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So right there, that, that, those two verses are saying to you essentially everything that I'm trying to communicate. We've been justified or declared through faith righteous. We have, as a result, peace with God because of Jesus Christ. And we live in a grace that he has given to us. So because of that experience, because of the, the faith and the peace and the grace in which we live, Paul says, we boast or we proclaim the hope of the glory of God. We also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Per perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That's another thing that I forgot to even mention. We have God indwelling us. But the point here Paul is making is because we live in grace and we have experienced peace with God because of that, no matter what happens to us, we persevere. And our perseverance develops character and character hope. An understanding of that regardless of the circumstance, regardless of your situation, God will be there for you. God will carry you through that. God has, as I said earlier, a plan and a purpose for your life. Now, in a theological term, it's a predestination to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's his plan and purpose for you. But he gets you through there through all kinds of different circumstances. And I would suggest to you that most of those circumstances are difficult ones rather than pleasant ones. 
I mean, we get some of the pleasant ones, but the fact is, is conforming, chipping away, sanctification is sometimes a challenging process. But God is going to be with you through that, and hope does not disappoint, Paul says, because we have God's love poured into us through the Holy Spirit. You see, and here, here, here comes the, the grace and the peace. At just the right time, at just the right time in your life, Whatever you're going through, at just the right time, God is going to deliver. When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, very rarely will someone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But while we were still sinners, God demonstrated his love towards us in this, that Christ died for us. So when you were at your absolute worst, when you... We're totally walking the opposite direction away from God. Think about right now. Just, I, I don't want you to think about this very long, but think about your worst sin. God can't do that. You just did something God will not do. He will no longer think of your sin. He died for you when you were at your worst, committing your worst sin. He loved you then. How much more now that you have turned towards him, you have received his grace. And so, since we've been justified through his blood, how much more shall we be saved from his wrath? For if while we were his enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more then, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only this, but we also boast or proclaim grace and peace in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. So here's the deal. Live your life proclaiming the grace and the peace of God through your words and through your actions. And I haven't said this yet, but it, this bears stating. I'm talking about grace that you give to others. But I think it's very important to give grace to yourself too. That you understand that God's grace extends to you. That you shouldn't be condemning yourself either. That you are a, a recipient of God's grace. You can thus allow it in your own life to have its full measure of benefit. Self-condemnation is huge in the Christian church huge. Receive the grace of God. Live it. Proclaim it. Possess it. 